Carrying Revival, an interview with Chris Kildosher. Thank you for joining me for Revival in My City. For those who want to see their cities transformed by the power of God, I hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and inspire as you pursue spiritual awakening in your own city. Hi, this is Cynthia Bryan. In this episode, you will hear from Chris Kuldosher, a close friend of Jesus. Chris ministers powerfully in the love of God. He has over 12 years of experience as a traveling missionary, preacher, church planter, and ministry school founder. He trains, equips, and activates believers to demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. Chris and his beautiful wife and daughter live in Northern California. Chris, it's great to have you on the podcast. Oh, so privileged to be here with everyone. Hello. Hey, so good to talk to you. Um, So I wanted to start off by asking you, what are you seeing now that encourages you concerning revival? Goodness, we're living in the greatest days that have ever been when it comes to what our God, our King, what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is doing in the earth by the power of Holy Spirit. Uh, we're seeing amazing things happen in California. I got to witness uh, just in the past few weeks, hundreds of people being baptized on the beaches of Southern California at large spontane- semi-spontaneous events, uh, somewhat planned, but not really. Uh, these events at the beach, people getting baptized, being filled with Holy Spirit, repenting of their sins, uh, people getting healed, amazing things going on. And so we are living in the days of a great harvest, and it's a privilege to be alive right now. Wow, that that is amazing. Is there a specific situation that you could describe to tell us how this happens? Yeah, goodness. So... We typically have been going out, uh, the small group of people I work with, going on the street of our city and bringing a guitar and maybe a little hand drum and about 10, 15 of us out there sing some songs, just have kind of an outdoor worship and then begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, talk about his death, burial and resurrection, talk about his offer for forgiveness of sins that we would all come into the Father's house, so we'd all come home through the gift of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And that invitation, that outstretched arm in Christ is for all people to come home to the Father. And so we're out there just preaching uh, kind of a simple message as loud as we can. And we typically see uh, things that you would see in the Bible, demons manifesting, screaming. Um, We see People get mad at us. We also see people get happy, um, get glad. One example this past week, week and a half ago now, a young man named Mitchell was hanging out there at the downtown area. He's drinking. He's just living on the street, 22-year-old kid. And as he's hearing the gospel being preached, one of our friends goes over, starts talking to him, then called me over. He ends up hearing the gospel more. He says, this is what I want. I don't want this alcohol. He throws Mm. away his alcohol. He prays with us to receive Christ. We talk to him about baptism and we take him right then within about half an hour as we're finishing up that meeting, we take him to the beach to baptize him. So our group, there's about eight, 10 of us there at the beach to baptize him. 
we start shouting to a group of high schoolers walking by. We said, hey, this young guy's about to get baptized. You guys need to come over here. This is a big deal. Come over here and just watch and be a part of this. So these high schoolers come over and they start <laughs> cheering and celebrating Mitchell when he's sharing his testimony. And many of these kids, to my knowledge, maybe some of them knew the Lord, but I don't really think they did. Uh, they're cheering for him as he's sharing how he doesn't want to <laughs> drink anymore. He's done with his old life. He wow. wants to give everything to Jesus. So he gets baptized in water. He's re repenting of sins. He's, you know, sharing things and just letting stuff off of his chest. Uh, he gets baptized in the water. He comes up and he's overwhelmed. He's stumbling to get out of the water, just overwhelmed by God's power. And a few minutes later, we end up praying with him to experience what happened to the disciples in Acts 2 and what happened to um, the disciples all through the book of Acts, where they received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of um, speaking in tongues, prophecy, the, these things that are just clearly illustrated in Scripture through the Gospels, things that Jesus commands us to, to wait in Jerusalem for, things that um, are available yeah. for all people to experience um, the love and the empowerment that Jesus walked in when he ministered, um, where mm -hmm. he said, hey, it's, it's better that I go because I'm going to send another Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. He's going to be with you. Uh, he's going to lead you into all truth. He said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then all through the book of Acts, the disciples, everywhere they went, they would uh, pray for people. They say, hey, you were baptized in, in water, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? Acts 19, what? we don't even know there is such a thing as Holy Spirit, which <laughs> unfortunately, many of us in church for many years, we didn't even know there was such thing as Holy Spirit. We thought, you know, we got the Bible, we got we got God the Father, and we have Jesus, and Holy Spirit's kind of the 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 spooky uh, third neighbor of the Trinity that we don't really invite to the meetings ever. Uh, so, you know, that that's what happened to Mitchell. It was amazing, got radically saved. Now he's ministering with us on the streets, preaching the gospel with boldness. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, I could keep going, but <laughs> wow, that is <laughs> that is amazing. I love that, and um, that's just like what Jesus did. You know, people didn't go through like several years of training before they went into ministry. People were radically changed. Um, he sent them out uh, without it seemed like a lot of training, but they had him. They had his mm. um, instruction. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. I wanted to ask you. It sounds like you're experiencing revival, um, but how would you define revival? That's a, a great word. Um, I was thinking about this beforehand when you sent me the questions of some of the questions you want to ask. Uh, I look at the term revival and just simple definition, uh, return back to life, revive, mm -hmm. right? Revival. Yeah. And I thought of that verse in Romans 8 where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Uh, I was just thinking about that verse, uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. And as I was meditating on that, I was like, wow, that's, that's revival to me. Revival is returning back to the one who brings life. It's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And when we yeah. return back to the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the revelation of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus being the Savior, the healer, the deliverer, the transformer, the revelation of our Father. When we get overwhelmed and fall madly in love with the one who's been in love with us from the beginning, the one that died for us uh, on our worst day and on our best day, 
died for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. That to me, falling in love with that Savior is revival. And I think that's what many people experience when they first come home to the Father, when they first get you know, set free, they hear the gospel message and they, they're saved. Uh, they experience revival. But unfortunately, we move away from that first love over time. Like, you know, the writer of Revelation quotes Jesus saying, hey, you guys repent and return to your first love. This is the book of, this is uh, the church of Ephesus mm -hmm. where they're having great revival go on. They're having amazing mm -hmm. things happen. They're in the midst of many thousands of people saved. Great leaders are there. Uh, Timothy's there. John's there. We believe that Jesus's mother, Mary, was there as well, is what scholars say. But here in that place, Jesus was rebuking them and telling them to repent and return to your first love. What's our first love? It's, it's when we really heard the gospel. And so I believe revival is completely centered around the revelation of Jesus Christ in our day. Wow, that's so good. When you think about that, I can picture that individually, you know, what that looks like for me or, or for a person. What does revival in a city look like? Well, I think it's, it's multiplication. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of these things are, are even a lot more simple than we realize. Uh, I love, you know, studying revivals like the Jesus movement, or I'll just take the Jesus movement, for example, or the first and second great awakening, but we'll just look at the Jesus movement during the Jesus movement. Uh, one of the starting catalysts that I've heard stories was a high school teacher invited a worship band to come during lunch and play worship at the high school, uh, 1967, uh, it was. And the assistant principal got mad, plugged the cord, unplugged the cords out of the wall, was just flipping out. Well, that spurned the kids on to get excited about what was happening. So that night, about 600 kids showed up from the high school to a little church called Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, it's where I used to live. And that was actually the beginning, one of the beginning catalytic moments of the Jesus movement. Those kids heard the gospel. They were saved. You know, we look back and we say, wow, that was a revival. Sometimes when we're in something like that, we don't even realize it. Uh, a lot of these people didn't realize they were in the midst of a revival until a few years in. They're like, wow, people are getting saved and people are being discipled. Mm -hmm. Mark 16, preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all, of all people, all ethnic groups, all, uh, all nations. And so there's something about us looking at that and saying, wow, we're called to make disciples of individuals. Why? Because Jesus died for people. He died for individuals. And right. we're called to transform culture. Jesus Christ came to mm -hmm. seek and save those who were lost and to transform culture. Still to this mm -hmm. day in Orange County, there are cultural blessings that came out of the Jesus movement. People, lots of people getting saved mm -hmm. that have actually affected Orange County to this day where Orange County, where I used to live, is like, they call it the Bible mm -hmm. Belt of California. Sorry, mm -hmm. there's a FedEx truck going yeah. by my car. There, it's the Bible Belt of California. And that's wow. still, there's great churches there. Churches like Saddleback Church, uh, Rick Warren, or mm -hmm. I could name off uh, many, many large churches that are there. Hillsong Church, all kinds of big churches that are there that are all fruit of this Jesus movement that happened 50 years ago. So what does a revival mm -hmm. in a city look like? It looks like... Um, I'll share this one story that kind of helps a little bit too. Okay. And I think this is just a, a token of revival. Uh, when we were pastoring in Orange County, 
there was a shop in a like strip mall and they were talking to some of our parishioners, people that went to our church and they said, Hey, you guys, it's so crazy. Our managers have told us that we're to hire Christians because God is doing something in this plaza. And mm -hmm. our friends were like, well, what do you mean about that? They said, well, there's so many people encountering God in this plaza. People are being miraculously healed. People are being set free of things. People are coming here dealing with depression, anxiety, and they're getting touched. God's doing something in this plaza. And so they told us the higher level of our store told us to hire uh, Christians, some Christians. I don't know if that's uh, against the law or I have no <laughs> idea uh, if it is or not. And maybe it will be, hopefully not in Jesus name. But they ended up having this conversation and they shared the story with us, some of the pastoral team. And we realized that the world said revival was happening in that plaza when in reality, believing believers were going out to lunch after church in that plaza. Mm -hmm. And they were praying for people regularly. They were leading people mm -hmm. to Jesus regularly. And all it was, was friends of ours were going there for food. <laughs> so sometimes we have to differentiate. We, we think, wow, there's a great revival happening. In reality, it's actually simple, normal, everyday people, housewives, engineers, business people, <laughs> Uh, stay-at-home moms, uh, you know, kids, high schoolers, being yeah. obedient to what Scripture says and preaching the gospel everywhere they go and praying for people in Jesus' name. Yeah. So what is Revel looking at in the city? It looks like that. It looks like reform and, and culture. It looks like laws changing because people's hearts' desires have changed. It looks mm -hmm. like uh, an openness to the gospel. It looks like uh, people coming out of drugs and addictions and legal issues in cities um, diminishing, crimes diminishing. There's there are cities in America today that crime rates have decreased over 50% in the past 10, 20 years. And a lot of it can be traced to certain churches that are in those cities. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And I love you sharing what was happening in that shopping area. And it's just believers being believers, <laughs> just doing mm -hmm. what doing what we're supposed to do, share the love of God and invite people into relationship with Him. So that leads me to this. Um, what role do you think love plays in seeking a move of God? Oh, goodness. Love is everything. Um, <laughs> love is everything. God is love. So without love, we're, uh, we're noisy, you know, clanging gong or cymbal, right? Uh, we're noisy. We can, we can draw attention, but are we rooting people in Christ? It's interesting that that First Corinthians 13 chapters between 11, 12, and 14, which 11 gives instructions of what church is supposed to be like. This is what it looks like when you guys are together. 12 is instructions of what church and anytime believers are together gets to look like. 14 is what anytime you're together with people gets to look like. The supernatural that's evidence there, healings, miracles, prophecy, these different things. And then First Corinthians 13 is right in the middle. So love is paramount with uh, God so loved the world that he gave. So everything mm. we do must be motivated by love. But it's interesting you asked me that question. I was praying the other day and I was asking, I said, God, I, I want more love in my life. I, I want to be more loving. And then, you know what his reply to me was? It was very, it was a little shocking. He said, why don't you pray for more obedience? Wow. And then he quickened <laughs> me to John 14, where it says, he who has my commands and keeps them 
it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest or appear to him. And I think sometimes we can focus on love without walking out what's clearly revealed as this is what love looks like to God. And Mm -hmm. so love looks like compassion. Love looks like, man, there's a person in physical pain next to me. Well, God's a loving father. He doesn't want people to be in physical pain. Jesus came to bear our sicknesses and diseases. So if I'm just going to walk by them without reaching out my hand to pray for them or reaching out with my words to pray for them, knowing that Jesus is a healer, then I'm not loving them. If someone's walking by me and they don't know the Lord um, in salvation, that means heaven and hell are real. That means they're going to the ladder, unfortunately, right now. They're on their way on a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. If they don't know him, love to me looks like talking to them about Jesus. So mm-hmm. love is connected to obedience. I mean, he said, preach the gospel. So he's just been speaking to me about that. That's where I'm at right now. He's like, hey, obedience is such a virtue that the Lord looks for in us. Because he's obedient. Jesus was obedient to his father. He humbled himself, took the form of a servant, humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, Philippians 2. So love to me is connected there. But we can only love to the degree that we know that we're loved. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to be rooted and grounded in love, which that revelation comes by seeing the gift of Christ to us. That while we were, while we're at our worst, Jesus said, you know what? I saw that worst day and I'm going to give my life for Chris on that worst day. I'm going to give my life for Cynthia. I'm going to give my life for anyone listening. He was willing to give his life for us on our worst day. The days where we were hateful and mean and spiteful, the days when we weren't loving at all. Many of us would die for someone on their best day, but would we really give our lives for people when they're, they're not? Um, he gave his life for us in that place while we were at sinners and he's the faithful one. So love comes from God without God. There is no love, um, without love, which God defines what love is. We're not partnering with him. We're just a clanging gong or a loud, loud symbol. Yeah. When when you brought out obedience like that just really stuck out to me and I can it, it seems so clear how God would use obedience even to facilitate revival. You know mm. like when we go out and minister in the street or have that um sense of compassion for someone near us who's hurting like it's it's an act of obedience to step out and actually interact with the person. You know like like it's it's um risky and we have to we have to obey and make that effort and from that um mm. i can see how god could just use that to just spread it across the city um, amen well, you said it like first corinthians it's uh it's at the end of 13 it says faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love so the mm. writer and by the inspiration of the spirit it's god breathed he's literally saying i believe that hey you can flow with God by faith. You can know that, hey, heaven or hell are real and people need to go home to heaven and you don't really care mm-hmm. about them, but you you know the truth and you go out by faith and you release it. And the mm-hmm. writer there is not saying, hey, that's evil. He's saying, hey, faith is important. 
He's saying hope's important, like believing for people and being filled with hope and being expectant of God to do something great. Like that's important, but the greatest is love. And so I think all of us, we miss out on something personally when we don't partner with his love for people. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's so good. So I I wanted to ask you, um, in the area that you're in now, has God given you uh, a vision for your city or uh, is there something you're looking forward to or ahead to? There's lots of things. Uh, a lot of what I do is simple day-to-day things of mm-hmm. encouraging people, praying for people, obviously my own personal walk with God of just spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, but just sowing into things that God's already doing. I, I want to come alongside other people that have been in places longer that have a vision for the city. So we work with a few different mm-hmm. groups here and they have a vision for Santa Cruz to be saved or for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever city that you might be in. You could say the same thing, but here where I live in Santa Cruz County for Santa Cruz to be saved. And that looks like mm-hmm. every person, um, one of the pastors, he gave a definition of it was that there would be uh, like a viral revival that breaks out in Santa Mm. Cruz where, you know, you go everywhere you go, you're hearing about Jesus. So I want to give myself to that vision because that's God's vision that he put in other people. Mm -hmm. And humility looks like coming under what God's already doing, coming under other people to lift up what the Holy Spirit is saying, to lift up what he's doing. So that's a lot of what I give myself to in a local city. Um, you know, I dream of uh, America for Jesus. I dream of California for Jesus. So mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to towns, I want to come alongside leaders in towns and and encourage yeah. them and spur them on. And like it says in Hebrews, we spur each other on towards good works. So that's so that's what I want to give yeah. myself to. That That's really great. Uh, so many people I've interviewed on the podcast have that vision for unity and working with others in the city. That's really a powerful way to move. So you, you're you in a city now, but I know that you travel and you visit mm-hmm. and you minister in other cities. How do you facilitate revival in a city when you're just there for a couple of days? Well, if I'm working with a local church, which most of the time I would be, um, I want to lift that environment higher in any way I can. Uh, coming under the pastor's vision, mm-hmm. coming under uh, what God's doing in the community. Things kind of answer the last one, but uh, I want to see that church lead the way. Um, Isaiah mm-hmm. 2 says, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted as chief of the mountains. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18 that he would give the keys to the church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. That the keys he gave, you know, he says, hey, I give it this to Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. He, he was giving the keys upon the revelation of Jesus being the Christ, the son of God. So I want to get behind the church because the church in any city, the church is the most powerful entity group of people in any region at any time. It could be two mm-hmm. people that follow Jesus. Um, the church, mm-hmm. if if you're a believer in Jesus, you're seated in heavenly places with him. If You know, you may not realize that. People might not realize that even listening, but that's Ephesians 2. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, far above all principality, power, might, dominion. So that means that any 
Christian actually carries a higher office than the Queen of England, the President of the United States. Mm. Uh, the the five-year-old believer in Jesus is seated higher than those things. Those offices are important. Mm. They're, they're offices in the earth. They're offices that we honor. But the church itself is the most powerful force in the earth. That's why Jesus said, don't put your light under a bushel. He said, I've given you a light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So I want to encourage churches and pour oil upon their fire, the oil mm -hmm. of the Holy Ghost. So I want to come alongside pastors. I want to see churches activated in sharing their faith. I want to see individuals activated in praying for the sick and seeing the miraculous power of God move through their hands because it says that believers' hands would heal the sick, not just missionaries' hands or pastors' hands. It says believers' hands would heal the sick, um, Mark 16, 17. So that's stuff that I want to give myself to is seeing people active in their mission yeah. and committed yeah. to seeing cities saved in the name of Jesus. That's so good. And um, you've visited my church and uh, you we have certainly activated us. <laughs> and that's probably one reason I'm doing this podcast is your influence. Just the way um, the Holy Spirit moved and just drew me into a, a more intimate relationship with Him and pursuit of Him. Mm. So let's see. I also wanted to ask, um, is there an experience that moved you into this pursuit of Jesus and revival? Goodness, I I mean, the first experience I can think of is uh, First Baptist Church to Cuesta, Florida, hearing the gospel in Awanas yeah. at seven years old and uh, yeah. going to the altar to get born again, to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. um, as time went on, I allowed my heart to be hardened towards church, towards, uh, honestly, full obedience to Christ. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't really remember being exposed to the spirit-filled life. There were some people maybe around that were experiencing some things, but I was never taught about those things, which I had the Bible, mm -hmm. so it's my own fault. Even though I was a kid, I, I could have read the word for myself. I never did, or I rarely mm -hmm. did. Uh, when I was 19 years old, a friend challenged me. He said, I dare you to read the Bible for 30 days straight. I had gone to an mm -hmm. evangelistic meeting and and cried and had some experience there. And he challenged me. He said, I dare you to read the Bible for 30 days straight. As I did, uh, the message of Christ and the message of the gift of the Spirit uh, just echoed in me. And I experienced myself in my apartment. I was reading Acts chapter 5 about Ananias and Sapphira. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Chris, you say you've given me everything, but you haven't. I love you so much that I will let you keep living the way you're living, but you know the end of it. And I realized in that moment I was not mm -hmm. going to heaven. My, uh, Even though I had had this experience as a child, I was not walking mm -hmm. with God. I was walking in complete rebellion to him. And there was mercy for a time, and I had mercy while I'm here on this earth, but that mercy uh, only lasts the lifetime that I'm here. And I was completely, I was a reprobate. I was living in sin. I was a hypocrite. And the Lord spoke to me clearly, and in his love, he did. And I, I began to weep, and I began to surrender uh, the things in my life that were hypocrisy, you know, alcoholism, and all kinds of other things, just sin. And I was radically delivered, and I was radically filled with the Holy Spirit. As evidenced in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues. I had that experience by myself in my apartment. 
So today, you know, people can question those kinds of things and stuff. And I'm like, well, I went from being a sinner to a completely different person um, in that moment. My Mm -hmm. friend, he told me, he said, Chris, you went from drinking till four in the morning to up in the Bible at four in the morning. And I was (laughs) so hungry. I just, I recognized that I had wasted years of my life. I wasted years serving Mm -hmm. the devil. And I wanted to see other people have that same experience as me to come to saving faith in Christ, to receive the gift of repentance, turning away from their old life and to receive Christ and receive the gift of the spirit. So that became my pursuit. And that was Mm -hmm. really the shift for me. And I, I could tell things that happened after that, but that was it. That, that was the People would come to me and they'd say, oh, don't worry, the honeymoon's going to wear off. And honestly, it never has. <laughs> it never has in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that's so good. Um, and let's see, I, I do want to ask you, is there anything that you're doing now that when you were starting out in this pursuit of God, you never thought you would do? Goodness. Um, I think, you know, the miraculous in the sense of seeing our King Jesus Christ of Nazareth heal people. I mean, it says in Acts mm-hmm. ten thirty eight, yes. and you know of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom God anointed with Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And it mm-hmm. says in Matthew 8 that he bore yeah. sicknesses and diseases after he healed a bunch of people. And then it says in Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. So his healing ministry is just as alive now as it was in the Bible. Um, it didn't stop at any point. Um, we know that through missionary stories overseas. We know that through all different types of people that do outreaches. But unfortunately, sometimes when it happens in our backyard, we, we're challenged by it. I didn't... Mm-hmm really know that that would happen. I, I had heard stories or I'd read the Bible and I would see Jesus command his mm-hmm. disciples to heal the sick. And then he would command his disciples in Matthew 28 to tell everyone that they made disciples of to do the same things. And I was like, oh, well then this is, this is part of the mandate is praying for people for <laughs> healing, laying hands on the sick, speaking, healing over people that are sick in the same way that you would expect people to be healed emotionally, like I wouldn't say, oh, you have to be depressed the rest of your life because that's just the will of God for you is, is anxiety and depression. Yeah, I don't think anybody would say that to anyone. Well, in the same way of your soul being healed, Jesus Christ was whipped for our physical healing. So this revelation just started hitting me. And I honestly, like I, I dreamed, I was like, man, it'd be so cool to see someone healed. And now, since I've watched Jesus heal, I've seen well over 100,000 people miraculously healed in front of my eyes, which wow. is, which is uh, that to me, I've seen more in my life already than I ever thought I would see. So uh, Ephesians 3 is true. He does more than we can ask, think, hope, or imagine. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Uh, Praise God. It's all his glory. Need... Yes. Yes. <laughs> And there's so much more that I want to ask you, and I know that we need to wrap this up. So I might have to interview you another time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> to go deeper, go deeper. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with our listeners? Goodness, I, I want to encourage all of you. Uh, I quoted Acts 10.38, but four verses up is Acts 10.34. It's when Peter went to a man's house that was seeking God, Cornelius. He was giving alms. He was praying. 
he was seeking righteousness. He was seeking the kingdom. He didn't even really maybe know the full expression of what he was going after, but he wanted to serve God. And I believe that's you if you're listening to this, wherever you are in your spiritual walk. I believe there's something in you that drew you here today. And it's it's actually God's spirit has been moving in your life, drawing you. And I love Acts 10, 34, because when Peter gets up to preach, he says these words. He says, I now perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Let me define that a little better for you guys. What God has done for me or for Cynthia or for anyone else, God will do for you. I want to encourage you too, friend. If you're out there and you've never been born again, the Bible says we must be born again. How do you get born again? Getting born again starts with recognizing your need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. He wouldn't have died on a cross for you 2,000 years ago and took upon himself your sin if you didn't need him to. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Belief starts with hearing the gospel. It starts with hearing about God's love for you, which he's been doing through this broadcast. And if you're out there right now listening to this and your life is not surrendered to Jesus, I'm speaking to you. If you've never been born again as well, I'm speaking to you. It's as simple as this. Pray with me right now. Pray this earnestly in your heart, looking to the Savior. Say, Jesus, I've fallen short of your glory. I've lived apart from you. I want to be born again. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. I believe that you rose from the dead. I receive the gift of forgiveness for all of my sins. I turn away from self. I turn away from my old life. I turn to you forevermore. My past, present, and future now belong to you in the name of Jesus. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just got born again. You need to get into a local church. You need to connect. Uh, you could email Cynthia and she'll maybe help you. You need to connect with a local body of believers. You need to get into scripture. Start in John's gospel. Read John. Read the book of Acts. Start reading through those books in the New Testament and allow the spirit to lead you. Get around other Christians and grow in your faith. For those of you that have already received that gift of eternal life, I want to tell you the God of all glory who reveals himself through the face of the Son, Jesus Christ, is shining upon you right now. And he's breathing upon you the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is the empowerer in ministry. And I want to pray for you right now. And as I do, you're going to be healed. You're going to be set free. You're going to be delivered. And you're going to be filled with power. So, Father, I bless all of the people right now listening. In Jesus' name, I pray for the fire of God that came upon those believers in the book of Acts to come upon them right now. Um, hold your hands out wherever you are, as long as you're not driving a car. <laughs> that wouldn't be safe. <laughs> I pray for the fire of God to baptize people right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you to reign. You are the third person of the Trinity, and you lead us to Jesus. Reign in these people's lives. We pray for fire to fall. I command sicknesses to go. I command diseases to go. I command torments to go from them in Jesus' name. And I release health and wholeness over them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I release peace in Jesus' name. If you just were, if you're feeling the power of God on you, tell Cynthia, share, share your testimony of how you were healed. Begin to move your body. Check, check what the Lord just did. He just put a deposit in your account of health. Begin to move your body around and check. 
uh, the Lord's done something. Share your testimonies with Cynthia. Yeah, we love you. We're grateful to be in Harvest with you, friends. Stay in touch with us uh, through our website, chriscolosher.com. Stay in touch with us through our Facebook. Um, And yeah, keep listening to these podcasts and be edified in Christ. So, Chris, will you share um, your webpage again and how how do they find you on uh, Facebook? Yeah, it's just uh, Chris, K-R-I-S, Kildosher, K-I-L-D-O-S-H-E-R.com. That's the best way. Our Facebook's link's on there. Uh, our link to our School of Ministries on there. All of that's there. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you can get in touch with us through that. Okay. Okay, great. Well, this has been amazing. Like I was just receiving from the Lord as you were praying over all of us. And um, God is so good. He just loves us so much. and his love flows through you. And I'm so thankful for you, Chris. Um, oh, and thank you too. for, <laughs> thank you for doing the interview and being, taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, it's going to bless a lot of people. It was a great privilege. Thank you, Cynthia, for setting up. For listening to Revival in My City. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, review, or email me at Cynthia at RevivalInMyCity.com. I hope you will join me in praying. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in my city as it is in heaven.